1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we'll begin. First of all, I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank uh, Heath and Travis for putting together a great uh, men's retreat over the weekend. Uh, we were all very much uplifted, and I appreciate all the efforts that went into that, uh, in them putting that together. And uh, it's always good to be around your brothers in Christ, and you gain great strength and encouragement just by being with one another, but more so even, even when we're together to learn about God's Word. Um, so, I'm not Joel. Joel and Hannah are at a youth, I mean, at a uh, marriage retreat in uh, Fall Creek Falls with the Smyrna congregation, and uh, we wish them well, and uh, their kids are spread out between Dunlap and Alabama, I believe, and uh, so we're missing some of them, and uh, Corey and uh, my sister and my uh, daughter Emily and a couple of her friends are in Pigeon Forge, so they're missing this morning too, but uh, for all of those that are missing, we, uh, we are certainly uh, mindful of them. You know, as we were uh, cooking last night, uh, we had our big fish fry, crappie. Not my favorite meat, by the way, in the whole world. I, I don't really like fish a whole lot, but it sure was good last night. It sure was good last night. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we were talking, and uh, Travis was cooking the fish, and... Uh, and old uh, Chase back there cooking the French fries, and Heath was cooking the hush puppies, and we were talking about, well, how, how can you tell when it's done? How can you tell when it's done? So, you know, Travis, he's always got all these great, great reasons and, and whys that he teaches us. We always call them, uh, uh, I call them teachable tea fry moments. And um, he was teaching uh, Chase that the fish is done when it floats. And I was thinking, you know, there are lots of things, and it fits right into the lesson I wanted to bring this morning, is what did they not teach us in school? There are things that they didn't teach us in school, isn't there? One of them is how to cook crappie and when it's done. Um, maybe, uh, maybe Jerry Corbin missed the, the lesson on how to do announcements. Just kidding, Jerry. Just kidding. Or, you know, in school they didn't teach us how to fish or, you know, we had a couple of fires this weekend in our, in our retreat and they didn't teach us how to build a fire. They taught us a lot of things about a lot of broad range of topics in school, in formal schooling, but they didn't teach us everything, did they? They did not teach us that God's word is where we really need to go for the true answers in life. This time of year again when the school bells are ringing, every student that graduates high school will have invested about 15,120 hours in understanding these wide variety of studies that they have from kindergarten through 12th grade. And many more of those will go into college and, and they'll go to college and they'll spend another 1,920 hours studying in a particular subject area to be prepared for a specific career. And graduation certainly is not the end as we as adults know and understand fully is that there are many other lessons that we will learn in life. 
There are lessons we will learn in life sometimes very easily, but other times in great difficulty. Graduation is not the end of learning by any means. As you work in your selected field, you'll learn more about specific things you need to do in order to be better at your job. You constantly improve yourself to hold on to the job and advance through the ranks of your particular selected career. As valuable as all the formal education is and as good as the teachers may be, there are many things one needs to learn that is never taught in those 1,740 hours of education. We as Christians understand that we can be rich without money. If you stopped each graduate as they, were, uh, as they had gotten their diploma and they were going off the stage and you asked them what their main goal was in life, uh, many of them will tell you to make money. To make money. And that's not the most important thing in life. You see, our most important thing in life is living our life according to God's word so that we can make it to heaven one day. So our ultimate goal should not be one of how rich we can be, but how spiritually rich we can be. It should not be one about how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars we can have in the bank or set aside for savings, but whether or not we have focused our attention on making it to heaven one day. Oftentimes asked our kids, what is our main goal in life? Our main goal in life is not to make a bunch of money. We can't take it with us. Our main goal in life is to make it to heaven one day. They learn this from their teachers about, about money. They learn from a very materialistic society that money is important and money brings power and therefore in order to have power you have to have money. However, it is not a goal worthy of those called Christians. In Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, it tells us that we don't labor to be rich. If you'll turn over there to Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, we'll read that. Do not overwork to be rich because your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Being rich is only temporary, isn't it? But our goal of making it to heaven one day is eternal. Now while you're there in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning excuse me, in verse 17 through 21, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. 
It doesn't say that those riches are laid up there for us to, to um, use and to uh, extort and to continue to enjoy. But yet, the riches that we lay up in heaven are eternal. And the riches we have here on earth are temporal. There are things that they don't teach us in school. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 23, Matthew 19 and verse 23, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. If being rich and powerful were so important, why does the Bible tell us opposite of that? Because they're not really that important. It may give you temporary power while on earth to be able to control people and to control situations, but it doesn't give you what you really need, and that is eternal life. Warnings are given to those who trust in riches that are not spiritually wealthy. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Those who are rich face additional temptations, as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And if you'll go back to verse 9 and 10 and read that. If being rich is your goal for education, or being rich is your goal in life, you're asking to walk a thorn infested trail of life there are people who claim to be rich but are not living off of debt there are people who appear to be poor but have an abundance in other words people lie for different reasons unfortunately sometimes Christians even do this Money is not where, it is, where all of it is at. It's possible to be rich and never have a large bank account or a fat wallet. There was a church that was materially poor but rich toward God. Notice, if you will, the church of Smyrna, Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. I know your works, tribulation, poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Imagine that. Rich, poor people. It's hard for us to imagine if we think about material things only when we talk about our life as a Christian. Jesus came from heaven that we might be rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Turn over there if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We're not talking about a Mercedes or a 20-room mansion here. We're talking about the richness of spiritual things 
that God gives us through his word. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, we are to accumulate spiritual treasures. We're to lay up our spiritual treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thief do not come in and steal. Because those are the important things for us in life as a Christian. You may not make a lot of money in your lifetime. If you're so blessed, use it for God's glory. And realize that it's only temporal and not permanent. There are other things that they don't teach you in school. They don't teach you how to deal with people in every situation that they're in. I remember when I went to the school of preaching years ago, um, we talked about having to make uh, notifications when someone had lost a loved one. They don't really teach that. You have to learn it, don't you? And we understand that all this knowledge that we gain, sometimes the experience tied together with the knowledge is what gets us the wisdom to get to where we need to be in life. We as Christians need to understand this simple principle. The way up is down. Many graduates are ready to climb the ladder of success. Some so eager they may think they can skip every other rung on the way up the ladder. They're the ones who want to succeed no matter what the cost may be. Success and leaving behind your moral obligations in your Christianity is no success at all. If you can't make it to the top by being honest, being a person of integrity, being a person that goes by God's word and no other, then you're not really successful in trying to make it to the top of the ladder. If some have to stop On the ladder, a few hands burst and a few bubbles on the way, so be it. They want self-assurance to show in their clothes, their walk, their smile, their car, their speech. Jesus didn't see success in this manner, did he? Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12. If you want to get noticed by the boss... The boss, the one who ultimately counts, then take a back seat to others and take up your cross daily and walk with him. God respects the lowly, those who are humble before God. He respects Psalms chapter 138 and verse 6. The humble are better off. Proverbs chapter 16, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 19. Better to be humble of spirit with the lowly than to divide the spool with the proud. Humility means low lying. Something on the ground, according to Vine's 
Bible Encyclopedia. Pride is the opposite of humility. Pride is taught in the school and society, and humility is taught by God. The proud think they are better than others. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. How they're praying there in Luke chapter 18 and verses 9 through 14. Help me, Lord, not to be like this publican. But yet, thinking he himself was so much better and being humbled before God. We understand that blessings come on those who are poor in spirit. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible is filled with warnings about pride. Pride is one of the most frequently mentioned sins by God. Why? Because pride comes before the fall. There are many things they don't teach you in school. Of those many hundreds or thousands of hours. But one thing we must do is look to God's word for strength and guidance in how to live our life as a Christian. We strive to live a life sinless, but knowing we'll fail sometimes. We strive to live a life pleasing to God, but understand sometimes we fall and need to be picked up by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't let your whole goal in life be to be rich. Let your whole goal in life be to make it to heaven one day. Just to make it to heaven one day. If you want to think seriously about their spiritual life, let alone the afterlife. But a wise man will stop and ponder his mistakes and his future. He will mourn over his sins. Only then can he truly be happy. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Happy are the mourners because they will be comforted. Psalm chapter 126 verses 5 and 6. We harvest through our tears. Through the difficulties in life, sometimes we learn very difficult lessons. These are the things that are important in life. To grow our spiritual riches. For we all want to one day make it to heaven. Just to live eternally with God. What is your hope? Is your hope eternal life? Or your hope to be on earth and live forever and be the richest man on earth? Our goal should be to do things pleasing to God. To strive to live our life according to God's plan. And to be willing and able to teach others that plan as well. So that many lost souls may be saved. There are things they don't teach us in school. They don't teach us when the crappie's done, do they, T-Fry? They don't teach us how to drive a car. They don't teach us how to tell a mother that her child has just 
been killed in an automobile accident. They don't teach us everything there is to know about raising children. As I've said before, every child would have a different manual and those manuals would have revision after revision after revision because no two individuals are the same. But God's word gives us ultimately what we need in life and that is the gospel plan of salvation and the ability to study God's word and understand it and apply it to our lives so that we may have life and we may have it eternal. What have you taught a young person lately? What have you taught your fellow brother or sister in Christ lately? What are you teaching them that they never learned in school? We teach most oftentimes by our actions, by positive things that we do, or staying away from very negative things. As our brother Bill Greer so often said, those sermons are better seen than heard. What sermons are you teaching in your life? What examples are you being to those around you? Is it one of love, humility, mercy? Or is it one of going around and judging everyone else and pointing the fingers at everyone else and not looking in the mirror at your own self? We've all been guilty of this. Help us to look to God's word for strength and guidance that we need and be an encourager and show our love and care for one another and for our fellow man so that they too can receive the reward in heaven one day. There are things they don't teach you in school. But we can learn those things when we're together, when we come to Bible classes to learn about God's word, Take every opportunity you can to learn more about God's word and how to apply that word in your life. Whether it be a men's retreat or a men's devo or a ladies devo or a ladies retreat or a ladies class or whatever the case may be. Take every opportunity you can to feed on God's word and make that application of God's word in your life. There may be some here this morning who have never obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, and, and it's simple yet important that you must hear the word of God, that you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repent of your sins, stop sinning on purpose, have that change of mind. Confession with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and being buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. For those of us who are Christians, we need to be reminded sometimes where we came from and the struggles that we've had and will have as far as being a Christian and to help others through the difficulties in their life by showing our love, humility, and care for one another. If you are a Christian and you've fallen away and you've committed a public sin that needs public confession, or you just need the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ to hold you up, to encourage you, to strengthen you. We want to give you an invitation now to come forward, whatever your need may be,
as together we stand and as we sing.